0: Good morning, everybody. So about 30 years ago or so, when I was a teenager, um, I was very involved in the church that Mark and I both went to at the time. And at the time, our senior pastor had a moral failure, and it, it, it really kind of shook us all and it affected us all. But I remember the day we found out about this, something in my heart kind of shifted. And I remember saying to Mark, I want to finish strong. I want to finish this race of life, this journey. I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong as a believer, as a Christ follower. I want to finish strong. And so, this finishing strong has been my mission statement, my life statement, for as long as I can remember, about 30 years ago. I'm learning that finishing strong is not about circumstances or about our surroundings or an age, okay? It's more about the attitude that we do life with, or yeah, how, how we live out this life. I desperately want to finish strong. And so God's really been speaking to me about this and, and just dropping things in my heart about how will I finish strong? What needs to be in place for me to finish strong? Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7 something really profound. But in the, in the verse before that, in verse 6, he says he is near to death. He's telling everyone. So he, he knows that he's near to death. And then he says this, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've remained faithful. And as I read that scripture, two thoughts come to mind. The first is, I want to be able to say this. When I know that my death is near, I want to be able to say, I have fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And the second thing that comes to mind is, what am I doing or not doing? that will affect me finishing strong? Is there something that's hindering my finishing strong? And so that's really what I've been thinking about a lot recently is what needs to change in order for me to finish strong? So there are four elements that I just really wanted to share my heart with you about, just, just f- things that I feel have been so helpful to me in this journey of finishing strong. And then one anchor element And I've been a real teacher this morning because I've used the letter C so that you can remember all five points. Okay, so number one, (laughs) no, I'm not going to do it like that. The first thing I want to just share about is who is in your inner circle? Now, for some of you, you might say, "Mm, it's a little bit random. Why is she asking, "Is, is this really important for finishing strong? But I have learned and I'm learning that our inner circle is hugely important. My personality is I want everyone in my inner circle. And I want everyone to be able to come and speak into my life and I speak into everyone's life. And I'm sounding a bit sarcastic. Sorry about that. But it's, that, that is honestly my personality. But I've realized that is not the wisest thing. Who is running with you? Who is going to be at that finish line with you? Who is going to be your cheerleader cheerleader cheering you on to finishing strong as a Christ follower? These are the questions I've been asking myself. Who is influencing you? Now, we like to think that no one, or not no one, that we are the influencers and people don't really influence us. You know, we choose who, who influences us. But that is not always correct. And so we need God's wisdom in who is in our inner circle. Proverbs 12, verse 26 says this The godly give good advice to their friends, the wicked lead them astray. Are you getting good advice from godly people? Who is in your inner circle? Who is in my inner circle? I want to read another scripture from Proverbs, and this one I think my children can quote off by heart, and Caleb is sitting here this morning. I have said it to him so many times, so, so many times. (laughs) Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. There's another translation that says, associate with fools and you will suffer harm. It's not saying you're a fool, but you will suffer harm because of the foolish people you hang around with. And so I, I've really had to take a good, hard look at my inner circle because I want to finish strong. And I believe your inner circle has a huge part to play. John Maxwell writes a book. John Maxwell is a renowned um, leader, and he writes many leadership books. And one of his books is called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And he's got one of his laws as the law of the inner circle. And the law of the inner circle says this, a leader's potential is determined by those closest to him. This applies to all our relationships, personal and professional. Now, this is hard for me to say. You are the company you keep. You are the company you keep. Who's in your inner circle? Let's take stock of our inner circle. You know, Jesus had an inner circle. This is very biblical, what I'm speaking about. Jesus had an inner circle. He had 12 guys close to him, and then he had three that were even closer. Now, we don't know why those three were closer than the others, but he had Peter, James, and John that were close to him. He had an inner circle. King David the most famous kings of all time, he had three friendships that changed the course of his life. He had Samuel the prophet who came and spoke God's word over him and said, you will be the next king. When he was just a shepherd boy, Samuel came and said, you would be the next king. Samuel was one of the guys in David's inner circle. He had a friend called Jonathan who stood by David. When when Jonathan's father, who was king at the time, King Saul, wanted to kill David, Jonathan actually helped David get away. David had an inner circle. Then David had Nathan the prophet, and Nathan had a very difficult message to deliver to David. It wasn't an easy message. It wasn't one that he probably wanted to give, but he had to speak quite harshly to David about what David was doing, what David was getting up to, and that how God had seen what he was doing. David had an inner circle, and those three friendships changed the course of his life. Now, I'm learning this, and for certain personalities, what I'm saying this morning might be difficult. It's difficult for me to say this, because like I say, I just want everyone in my inner circle— But this particular thing has so often derailed me because I've allowed anyone access to speak into into my life. And it almost derailed me finishing strong. So I want to encourage you this morning. Do you need to take stock of who's in your inner circle if you're going to finish strong? Maybe it's time for a change. Or maybe it's time for you to pick up the phone And tell one of those people that are in your inner circle how much they mean to you and that you need them in your inner circle. I think a second element, if we're going to finish strong as Christ followers, is to have a biblical perspective on life's circumstances. You see, there is going to be suffering in this world. There are going to be things that happen to you that you are not going to understand, and you are going to want to ask why. And I am learning, again, this is such a process for me. I'm learning to say, I don't always understand why, or most times I don't understand why, but I trust God. God hasn't changed. God hasn't moved. I trust Him, even if I don't understand And I know for many of us, we're in situations we just don't understand. Let's have the correct biblical perspective on our circumstances. You see, when we view our circumstances in light of God's character, instead of God's character in light of our circumstances, we come to see that God is never indifferent to us. He's never indifferent to you. So in the middle of the circumstances you're going through in the middle of what might seem messy or unsure or you just don't understand. God is still good. God is still kind. God is still faithful. God is still trustworthy. Isaiah the prophet, he was a prophet in the Old Testament, he, he gets given a message by God that he's got to go deliver to the nation. And it's a tough message and he doesn't understand and he's actually in, in quite a lot of like pain, he says, about this message, because he doesn't understand, and he voices his concerns. He he, he tells God that he's concerned about this. He says, my stomach aches and burns with pain. Sharp pangs of anguish are upon me, like those of a woman in labor. That's pretty dramatic. I grow faint when I hear what God is planning. I'm too afraid to look. Now, maybe some of you feel like that. You're just actually too afraid to look. You don't understand why. And this was Isaiah. Then further on, he says this. He said to me, you are my servant Israel, and you will bring me glory. And I replied, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. He's not understanding what God's doing here. And then he says, yet... I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. So I'm learning that if I'm going to finish strong, I need to have the correct perspective on the circumstances that I find myself in. You know, recently as a family, we have just gone through a like a difficult time. It has deflated us. It has drained us. We've carried it quite close to our hearts, and some of you do know about it, but we've we've kind of, yeah, it's it's taken us all a bit by surprise. But through this time, and and I've wanted to ask why. So many times I've wanted to say why. But through this time, I've, uh, I've learned to do something different. I've learned a new level of trust. Two things have happened to me. A resolve, an inner strength in the middle of this madness we're going through has been formed in me. And I can't explain it. I just know I trust God more. Even though it seems messier than I've ever known in my life, I trust God more. And then a second thing has happened to me. I've learned to ask an open ended question, a question that doesn't need an answer. Because we love to have answers. Well, I love to have answers. I love to have like, black and white answers. I don't like the gray. And it's a, it's a question that just seems to have liberated me. And it's because of one of my friends in my inner circle, Christine, and she's sitting here today. And she will say to me, I wonder what God is doing. And it's like a question that doesn't need an answer. Now, some of you might say, well, that's exactly the same as why, but it's not. It's definitely not. It has liberated me just to say, I wonder what God could be doing. I wonder what God could be saying. I wonder what, what good God's going to work through all of this. So I want to say to you again, if, if we're going to finish strong as Christ followers, let's get our perspective of life circumstances in the right order God remains faithful. Another thing I'm learning, that if we are going to finish strong, is we need to stop comparing. Comparison is the killer of joy, and it easily will derail us. Well, it derails me. You see, a flower does not think of competing with the flower next to it. It just blooms. So I want to say to some of you, or maybe all of us today, just bloom. Don't look at the flower next to you and think, oh, it looks so easy for them. They've just got nothing, no hassles going on for them. Just bloom. Don't compare. You see, comparison will cause a discontent in your heart, and you'll be discontent about everything. Because when we compare, we have nothing to gain, nothing to gain, but so much to lose. There is no end to the possibilities of comparisons we can have. We can just compare our whole life away and constantly be in a state of discontentment. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. Contentment is finding the joy in what God has given you. Not finding joy in what God has given somebody else. Finding joy in what God has given you. Let's be content, let's find that contentment. You see, contentment is a Christian's grace that grows over time, it's a process. It doesn't come easily, it doesn't come naturally. Sometimes it can be a long process. But like Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 12, he says, I've learned to be content. Let's learn to be content. Let's stop comparing ourselves to one another. When Emma was two and a half, I'm so embarrassed to tell the story. I told this story in the first service and I almost left it out, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. She was two and a half, and Caleb was six months old, and I decided that I needed to take her to a speech therapist. Love speech therapist, got nothing against speech therapist. But at two and a half, I compared her to a friend of mine whose daughter was six months younger, who I felt spoke more clearly, with more clarity, and had a bigger vocab. Okay, I'm starting to get so embarrassed that I did this. But what I'm trying to, the reason I'm telling this story is how comparison, when you compare blurs our motivation for why we do certain things. And so off we go with our two and a half year old, to the speech therapist, Mark and I. I'm just going to start to laugh now. So we sit there, and Emma talks a hind leg of a donkey to the speech therapist. She just talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. And if you know now, Emma, at 23, there's nothing wrong with her speech, okay? And she talks, 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 talks. Then the speech therapist gives us our feedback. She says, very kindly, but she's almost wanting to laugh at us. She says, just want to tell you that some children only get clarity on certain signs up until the age of nine. So I, she just says, I just want to tell you that. Then she says, I just want to say, I don't know if you two have heard yourself speak, but you both speak very quickly. That could be part of Emma's issue with clarity. So, oh, okay. Then she says to Mark, she says, I don't know if you've heard yourself, but you tend to mumble a little bit. That could also be part of um, Emma's problem with um, clarity. And we sat there, I sat there, embarrassed, because I, honest, to be honest, I dragged my husband to the speech therapist with a two-and-a-half-year-old, you know. And I'm embarrassed, but my motivation was purely, if I'm completely honest, was I compared my child to another child and thought, she doesn't speak as well, we, there's a problem. And I want to tell you that it almost derailed me. It sounds like such a silly, shallow example, but I want to tell you comparison will stop you from finishing strong. Bloom, don't compete with the flower next to you, bloom. Another element that I wanna just chat around about finishing strong is being courageous. Sometimes in this life, or most times in this life, we just have to be courageous. If we're gonna finish strong, we've gotta be courageous. There's a story about a man called Joshua in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. And his previous leader's name was Moses. And Moses has died. And now God is commissioning Joshua to lead the people, God's chosen people. They've, they've come out of slavery, and he's got to lead the people into the promised land. There are many battles ahead. There are many difficult times. There are many hardships ahead of Joshua. And this is what God says to him. He says, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. And I feel some of us just need to hear that. Be very courageous. If we're going to finish strong, we've got to hold on and be courageous. It seems to be so obvious and it seems to be so simple when I say be courageous, but many of us will know how to apply this is sometimes very, very difficult. I think one of the most amazing things that we, or one of the areas we can be courageous in is owning our own story, taking responsibility for ourselves. That's the bravest thing we can do, That's the most courageous thing we can do, is taking responsibility for our own story and loving ourselves through that process, whether we've messed up or whether we're victorious. Let's own our own stuff. Brene Brown puts it like this. She says, owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing we'll ever do. I want to encourage you, be courageous. We're going to finish strong. We need to be courageous. God knew that Joshua needed those words, and God knows that some of you sitting here this morning need to hear those words. I certainly need to hear those words. And then the fifth and the anchor element that we have to have in order to finish strong, and I want to say have to have, and I want to be quite strong about this, is intimacy with Christ. We need to have honest conversations with our Heavenly Father. Real and authentic relationship. Because I think sometimes as Christ followers, we can fool ourselves, we can deceive ourselves in where we really are with God and how we're really feeling. And I, so, I ask myself the question Am I building intimacy with Christ? You see, we cannot be intimate with someone we don't trust. Trust is at the heart of intimacy. The more we trust someone, the closer we let them get to us. The more we trust someone, the closer we let them get to us. I read this and I felt it just summed up this whole area of trust and intimacy. And it says this Our experience of God's nearness or distance is not a description of his actual proximity to us, but of our experience of intimacy with Him. Scripture shows us that God is intimate with those who trust Him. The more we trust God, the more we intimately we come to know Him. A felt distance from God is often due to disruption of trust, such as a sin or disappointment. And maybe you realizing this morning, you're not intimate with Christ because there has been a disruption of trust, either because of sin disappointment in your heart. The psalmist in Psalm 73 verse 28, he says, for me, it is good to be near God. And I want to echo those words. For me, it is good to be near God. For you, it is good to be near God. So I have a sense that many of us find ourselves in the place of answering and acting and kind of Performing in the correct way. We almost think we can fool God and ourselves by answering in the correct way around are we being intimate with God? And it, it seems quite funny, but we tend to do this as Christ followers. I know I do. And I feel like we just really need to be honest where we're we, we at. If we're going to finish strong, we need to answer honestly. Where are we? Not in not in like a perfection way at all, but are we intimate with with Christ, or is there a disruption in our intimacy because of a lack of trust? Am I pursuing intimacy with Christ? Are you pursuing intimacy with Christ? Because I know if I'm going to finish strong, I need to be pursuing intimacy with God. In John 15, Jesus just has an intimate conversation with some of his his followers. And I just want to read some of John 15. And, And I'm really trusting that God stirs something in your heart as you hear the intimate language that Jesus uses. He says, I'm the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. That's intimate language. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And then listen to this beautiful part. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. That's intimate language. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name intimate conversations with christ and i know it is good for me to be near to god it is good for us to have an intimate relationship with christ a couple of weeks ago i was going for my long walk and i normally listen to i listen to a book while i'm walking hugely helpful for me. And um, I was meant to listen to a book that Mark was listening to uh, by Henry Clyde, and I've forgotten the title, but it hadn't downloaded. So I decided, okay, I'll listen to one that has downloaded, Dangerous Prayers by Craig Rochelle, and I can highly recommend the book. And he speaks about when we fearful about something, it's often, not it's often, it is because we don't trust God in that area. So if we fearful about our finances, it's because we're not trusting God with our finances. And if we're fearful about our children, it's because we're not trusting God with our children. And that really kind of spoke to me. Something just really stirred in my heart around that. And I came back to Mark and I said, you're amazing. I listened to this book. Incredible. Just, you know, God really spoke to me. Then that night, I went to bed just feeling incredibly anxious and fearful around my adult children. They were both at home that night. Um, but I, I had this like overwhelming fear. And then I remembered what I'd listened to. And I remember that what was happening is it was because I wasn't trusting God with my children that I had become so fearful that it was actually a trust issue for me. And so, Mark was fast asleep next to me in bed, and I was pretty jealous about the fact he can sleep so well, and I'm battling to sleep, and I lay there just having a really honest conversation with God around my fear, around my children, and um, I felt like God said to me, and it sounds so easy, but so difficult to do, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this. I felt like God said to me, lay them down, surrender them to me. And I, I just like listened to this book and, and I knew it was what I needed to do. And lying next to Mark while he was fast asleep, he didn't wake up because I didn't sob out loud, but the tears were just rolling down my face as I said, God, they're yours. I surrender them to you. And in that moment, I just knew I was having this intimate, honest conversation with God. I wasn't fooling myself, and I wasn't fooling God. I was just saying, God, help me surrender these children. They're yours anyway, but surrender, they're gift to me, but let me surrender them to you. And the reason I tell you this story is because it was such an intimate conversation that I had with God. And I believe God is inviting all of us into this intimacy with him. He hasn't moved. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's still there. And so I want us to take a moment to consider what we need to do or not do in order to finish strong. That's my heart, that we would finish strong. We would be able to say, like Paul, I've run the race, I've fought a good fight, and I've remained faithful. That must be our motivation. Do we need to check our inner circle? Do we need to have a biblical perspective about life circumstances? Do we need to stop comparing? And do we need to be courageous? Maybe we need all of those today. And the most important one, if we're going to finish strong, we need to have an intimate relationship with Christ. So at the Global Leadership Summit this year, there was a song that was played at, one of the, at the end of one of the sessions. And, and as it was playing, I felt like this was my life song. This summed up my finishing strong mission statement or my vision statement for myself. And part of, the, part of the words go like this, when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on this earth, let it be known in you alone my joy was found. And so I want us to take a moment just to listen to the song. And as we do, I'm trusting that God is going to speak into each one of our hearts about what we need to do or not do to be finishing strong so let's take a listen
1: if my heart could tell a story if my life would sing a song If I have a testimony If I have anything My joy was found, oh my joy, my joy, let my children tell the children, let this be Sure. Yes. Sure.
2: Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have invited us into an intimate, personal, real, life-transforming relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that you, Jesus, has made a way for that to be a reality for every single one of us. Lord, as we listen to those words and as we listen to your words through man's this morning. Lord, we want to honor those words. We want to act on those words. We want to take a hold of them and hold them close to our hearts. Father, I thank you that none of us would have an issue with trust in our relationship with you. Lord, that we'd let courage rise up. Lord, that we'd not be moved by our circumstances. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning that we can look to a future that is so secure because you are there. Holy Spirit, would you just seal in our hearts what you have spoken to us this morning, that we would finish strong. Lord, that we would celebrate this life that you have given us without fear, And so, Father, thank you for being so kind, for being so loving, for being so gentle to each one of us, for being so patient. And, Lord, we want to respond. We want to respond by trusting you with everything that we have and everything that we are in Jesus' name. Amen.